You all can be seated. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Josh Jones, and uh, my wife and I, we are one of the directors here at Active Church, and I'm pumped to bring the message to you this morning. Can you believe it's Christmas time already? I, uh, we're continuing our series today uh, called The Gift Exchange. And before we get into our series, I want to give you an update on what we call Kingdom Builders. Um, for those of you that don't know Kingdom Builders um, here at Active, it's just our way of demonstrating generosity. It's just our way of really expressing our gratitude towards God. Um, those of you that know God, that have a relationship with God, knows that when you, when you just take a moment and realize how much God loves you, when you take a moment and realize just, just how good God really is, uh, like your natural response is to give. Um, I don't think there's ever a moment when we're more like God uh, than when we are giving. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. And I am so blessed to be part of such a generous church. Like you guys, you all are, are literally the example of what generosity is all about. This is such a generous church. And here at Active, if you've been to Growth Track, you know that we believe in the tithe. We believe that ten, the first 10%, the first fruits is God's. And we're obedient in giving that back to God because it's his anyway. And then Kingdom Builders is all about giving above and beyond our tithe. And, uh, and, and that's what we've been doing. Kingdom Builders is all about really accelerating the vision of the house. The vision doesn't change, but when you get involved in giving above and beyond and Kingdom Builders, it, it's just accelerating that vision. And we've been talking this past month uh, about doing just that. And uh, we are so excited. We've been talking about it a lot that we've secured our very own building. We're getting our own building, our own church. And right now we are scheduled to close escrow on December 28th. Come on, somebody. We are right there. We're at the finish line. God is building his church and it's because of your generosity. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited to share with you um, um, the results of our legacy offering. You know, if you call Active Church your home and you've been around here this past month, every year um, we, we take our legacy offering and uh, we give above and beyond our tithe. And we've been preparing, we've been anticipating. In the past couple of weeks, we, we, we gave our offering and I'm so excited to share with you the amount that has been given. Are you guys ready? Do you want to hear? I'm going to look at my notes because I want to make sure that I get this right. As of this morning, you all have given in our legacy offering for 2021, $376,153.51. Come on. $376,100. I keep saying it wrong. $376,153. How cool is that? That is by far the largest 
legacy offering that we've collected since the existence of Active Church. We're so excited. We're so excited about our building and accelerating the vision. And I wanna be clear before we move on, I wanna be clear about the vision of the house. It's never been about buildings. It's never been about brick and mortar. It's always been about people. And we believe the building that we're gonna be able to move into next year is simply a tool that we're gonna be able to use to simply reach more people. We believe that it's gonna be the hub where we can uh, use to plant more campuses throughout the Central Coast. We believe that it's gonna be the home for our next generation so that our students can learn and grow in their faith. We believe that it's a tool that we can further the kingdom of God and reach more people here on the Central Coast. It's all because of your generosity. Give yourselves a hand. How cool is that? On behalf of our pastor, I just wanna thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you, man. We're continuing our series called Gift Exchange, and um, let me just say Merry Christmas. It's here. Um, I don't think that you could purchase anything on Amazon anymore and get it here before Christmas, so um, going old school, in-person shopping if you have shopping left to do. Have you ever, uh, ever got a gift that like you pretended like you liked it and in your head you're like, <laughs> I'm going to go exchange this. Where'd they get it? Like you get a gift and you're like, this will be re-gifted for sure. <laughs> we tell our kids before we, we, we go anywhere and they're going to open presents, like you better act excited every time, every gift you open. Act like you love it. <laughs> We're excited this year about uh, gifts from from Grandma D is what we call her, my Grandma D. Uh, not because they're great gifts. We just don't know where she gets this stuff. <laughs> like, where do they sell, like, yarn mittens and matching scarves and socks for the family? And Stetson Cologne. They, they don't even sell Stetson Cologne anymore. I love you, Grandma D, if you're watching. She's not watching. <laughs> She does not know how to get on the internet. <laughs> the theme of the series is about exchange. Taking what the world gives you and exchanging it for what God has for us. Our theme verse today, I want to take a look in John chapter 1, 1 through 5. It'll be up on the screen and this is, this is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Have you ever noticed that just a little bit of light in the midst of darkness, like, can make a big difference? Like, sometimes it even seems like the darker that it is, the brighter that little light shines. Like, light in darkness can literally be a game changer. If you have kids... You know what I'm talking about. How many know the importance of nightlights? 
Oh, come on. Nightlights, game changers. It's crazy how just a little bit of light in a bedroom can bring that kid just such comfort. Parents, the secret sauce to keeping your kids in their own bed are nightlights. The cooler the nightlight, the longer they'll stay in bed. Like we got a super cool nightlight in Bubba's room. Like it, it, it projects like planets on the ceiling. It's genius. Here's the real question though. How many adults still use nightlights? <laughs> Don't lie. Come on. Come on. I like it dark, man. I sleep with the covers over my, my head because uh, my family, we're, we're a big fan of nightlights. <laughs> I think every outlet in my house has a nightlight on it. Like you can walk down my hallway at night, you feel like you're on the runway at LAX. Like <laughs> A little bit of light and darkness, it changes everything. And oftentimes, like that darkness can be so significant, so real, so dark that a little bit of light, like it can actually bring a sense of calm. It can actually bring like a sense of peace, a sense of comfort, even like hope and faith, all because of a little bit of light in the midst of darkness. I was, uh, I was in Ohio at Bible College on 9-11 when the planes hit the Twin Towers. And I feel old saying that because a lot of you weren't even born on 9-11, but that's all right. Brandon and I were born. But um, I worked for the ministry there at, at the church, and we had an opportunity after the uh, event to go, and we interviewed a firefighter that was there in the lobby in one of the Twin Towers when it collapsed. And I'll never forget the story that he shared that um, when the building collapsed, it obviously knocked him out. And when he came to, he said that he was on the bottom of just the rubble. There's concrete all around him and he was jammed in between a couple large pieces of concrete. And I remember him explaining how dark it was and how eerily just quiet it was underneath all of the, 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 the rubble from, from the building. And he shared that like, he thought he was gonna die, that that was what he thought were the last moments of his life when all of a sudden, through all of the concrete, through the darkness, there was a little glimpse of sunlight peeking through. And he began to share how that light in the midst of darkness, like gave him so much hope, gave him so much courage. It gave him like a fight to, to keep going and try to get himself out of that rubbish. And he shared because he saw that light and he knew if he could get to that light that he, that he wouldn't die. And he started climbing out and he ended up surviving. He was a survivor of the event. And it all started because he saw the light in the midst of darkness. Light in darkness can change everything. This idea of light and darkness, as I was studying this concept, this idea this week, I realized for the first time that it's actually like a common theme of the Christmas story. I never realized it before, but like the Christmas story is all about light coming to darkness. 
Jesus, the light of the world, coming to a dark and hopeless world. And this is what I believe today God wants to do. I, how many just feel like there's more darkness in our world like, than ever before? Like there are many that this season, this season of hope and joy, and we, we sing all the Christmas carols, for many it's a dark season. And I believe that if we allow it, I believe that Jesus, the light of the world, wants to bring hope and joy and peace and light to our darkness today. This concept of light and darkness, it's a common theme of the Christmas story, but as I studied it, man, it's, it's a major theme throughout the entirety of the Bible. Like over and over in the, in the, in the different books and the pages, you read about this conflict of light and darkness, light and darkness and light and darkness. And I want to prove it to you today using this principle that I learned a while back on how to study the Bible. It's called the principle of first mention. Some call it the law of first mention. And it's this concept, it's this idea that if you want the purest teaching of any topic in the Bible, like if you want uh, the purest interpretation or the purest intent or, or meaning of any topic, you pick it in the Bible, you, you go to the place where it was very first mentioned in the Bible. Law of first mention. And so if we were going to follow this principle today and, and, and try to prove it out with this concept of light and darkness and it being a major theme throughout the pages of the Bible, we have to go to the very first words of the entire Bible. The first mention of it is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Check out what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And let's just pause right there for a moment because I think it's important to realize what it was that motivated God to create, what motivated God to move into a place of action. It was darkness. Darkness had covered the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the very first words that God said, the very first words out of his mouth was, let there be what? Let there be light. And there was light. Some of you aren't sold yet. You're like, Josh, that's just creation. That's just Jesus, God creating stuff. That's no big deal. And it wouldn't be a big deal if he didn't go on to talk about it throughout the rest of the book. And you go and 4,000 years later, when Jesus came to earth, we see that he's still talking about this light. Like look at what it says in John chapter 12, verse 46. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me would no longer remain in the dark. He said, I have come. Like the only reason I came as a baby in a manger, 
Like the only reason that you're celebrating Christmas, the only reason that you're in this room today is because I, Jesus, was motivated by darkness. Like I saw darkness on the earth and God says it motivated me. I didn't come to bring you just something to celebrate. I came to bring light in the midst of darkness. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That is the message of Christmas. It's an exchange, an exchange of darkness for light. Isn't it crazy that in the middle of the darkest season, he brings light. Like of all the months we could have celebrated Christmas, we celebrate it in the dead of winter, this joyous holiday, and we choose to celebrate it in the darkest time of the year. Like, did you know that December 21st, what is that, this Tuesday? Tuesday will be the longest night and the shortest day of the entire Year. It's the darkest day of the year. The 21st is winter solstice. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's just, and I just think that's God showing off. He's like, guys, watch this. <laughs> check, check this out. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the darkest season to remind everyone what Christmas is really all about, that he came to bring light to darkness. Isn't it so cool that when God saw darkness, like he didn't turn on it, he wasn't disappointed in it, he wasn't like, what is going on? That darkness motivated him. Instead of running away from darkness, he ran to darkness to bring light. Anyone thankful for the light of the world? I was studying this and I found a part of the Christmas story. And Brandon and I were talking about this last night. Found a part of the Christmas story that, like, I never even really knew existed. Like, in the Bible, there are the four Gospels. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they each give their own account on the life of Jesus, right? One story, one message, different perspectives, different accounts. In the book of Matthew and Luke, they share the details of the Christmas story, right? Like that's where we learn all the details about the wise men and the manger and, and, and the, the star. All of, They share the details. And Mark and John, like I always thought that it, it, it starts as Jesus as the adult, like the the mature Jesus, not baby Jesus. But I realized studying this, that that's not true. John's gospel, it doesn't start with Jesus as an adult. Like look how John's gospel starts in verse one, chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So actually Jesus was with God even before Christmas. He was there at the creation account with God the Father. He was with God. Through him, it says, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so Jesus was there in the beginning. In the very next two verses, John gives his version of the Christmas story. Check it out. 
in him was life. And that life was what? Was the light of all mankind. And that light would shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome. I've said all that to say that right here is the Christmas story. It's the exchange of darkness for light. Like, Josh, no, 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 no. Christmas story is like Jesus in a manger, the camels, Mary, Joseph, where is all, where's the gold frankincense and, and myrrh? But this idea of Jesus coming to be the light in the darkness of this world, Jesus coming to be darkness in our lives and shining light. It's all about the Christmas story. We know that darkness, it comes in various degrees, right? Like we see tragedy in the world, like mass shootings and things going on. And it's easy to pinpoint the darkness of some. Like, let's be honest, like we all have a degree of darkness in our lives, don't we? It's darkness in my life. And I found that the longer that I try to handle it on my own and I try to do it without God, it seems like the darker things get. At the moment that I invite God into that darkness, all of a sudden in the midst of that darkness, like there's hope, there's joy, there's a different outlook. I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm bivocational. I'm not full-time here at the church. I have a, a job and man, it's been a, a stressful week and uh, it all kind of came to a head on Thursday. I, uh, it was a rough day. I, I had a plan, man. I planned things out. And when my plan gets messed up because other people don't have a plan, uh, it, it makes me mad. <laughs> and man, I was mad. I was frustrated. I did what my three-year-old does when we tell him to go clean his room. I was like, ah! <laughs> that's, what, that's what he tells us, ah! sit on my computer, ah, and I had to get up and I had to go uh, with, with, with London, my 12-year-old, my they were having some awards for soccer, and I was there, and I was like, hey, you know, talking to all the parents, Merry Christmas, oh, God bless you, and in my head, I'm like, ah, I'm mad, they were talking about London and all of her accomplishments, and my phone is blowing up in my pocket, I'm getting text messages and emails, and I was just, just mad, dark, frustrated. And Friday morning during my devotions, like I felt convicted. I realized that like I was, car I was like keeping work from God. Like I had borders up, I had walls up and like, God, this, you're, you're good over here, but this, I gotta handle this. And the moment I opened up the door and I let the light of Jesus in, all of a sudden there was hope in the midst of darkness. We all have a form of darkness, don't we? Could be in a marriage, it could be in a strained relationship, it could be in your job, it could be in your emotions, not even understanding why, <laughs> why I'm so sad, why I'm so upset, like nothing even happened and I'm, and I'm mad. It could be darkness in your emotions with kids, behavior issues, but the worst darkness I think that anyone could 
experience spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness is when you do what everyone else does, sin, like the only thing that everyone in this room has in common is we all sin. Some people more than others, don't, don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your husband. The thing we all do is sin, but some of you are still carrying it, and that's not what everyone else is doing. See, I sin just as much as anyone else, but when I do, I have a person that I go to named Jesus that forgives me of that sin and cleanses me of that sin and wipes it away as if it never happened. And some of you, you're, you're carrying that sin. You haven't taken it to Jesus and you're carrying the weight of that shame and grief and guilt. And that's not what everyone else is doing. I love this story in John chapter 8. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus was getting ready to speak to a crowd and there were some religious leaders that had caught a woman in, the Bible says, the act of adultery. Now, I wonder what these religious leaders were doing if they caught the woman in the act. Like, they got some issues in themselves. <laughs> they caught this lady in the act of adultery, and as Jesus was preparing to speak to the crowd, those religious leaders, they dragged that woman out of the house. I'm sure she was probably half-dressed. And they dragged her into the streets, and they dragged her to Jesus. And they were actually like setting Jesus up. Like Jesus, if you let her go, like you're breaking the law. Because at that time, if anyone was caught in the act of adultery, like the law of the land is that they would be stoned to death. So they brought this lady to Jesus. Like, Jesus, what are you going to do with her? Are you going to stone her? Like if you, if you don't, you're breaking the law. But if you put her to death, like what kind of savior are you? And they brought her to Jesus. And you know the story, like Jesus, it says that he knelt down and he began to draw something in the sand. And he looked up at those religious leaders and he said these words, you know the story. He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Go ahead. The story goes on that those religious leaders are like, oh, dang. Jesus got us. And it says one by one, they began to turn around and walk away. And eventually Jesus told the woman, like, where, where are your accusers? And she told Jesus, there are none. And in John chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus told her, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me so much that my past does not determine my future. 
I'm so glad that when God looks at me, he doesn't look at what I did. He looks at what I can become. That's the beauty of the gospel, and that's the love that Jesus has for me. And I get so excited when I read verse 11 of chapter 8. I'm like, yes, that's the gospel. There's another way. Go and sin no more. And I get so excited that, like, I never read verse 12. <laughs> But look at what it says in verse 12. Like just after that, Jesus tells her, go and sin no more. There's, a, there's another way. I'm not accusing you. Go. I still believe in you. In verse 12, this is what it says. Jesus, he got up and he began to speak to the crowd again. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. He looked at that crowd. He's like, you guys, did you see what I just did to her? I can do the same to you. Did you see the darkness that was in her life? I can bring the same light to your life. I am the light of the world. I've come to bring light to your marriage. I've come to bring light to your relationship. I've come to bring light to your job. I'm the light of the world. Musicians, you can come and get set up. I told you earlier about that interview that we did with the firefighter after 9-11 and just the hopelessness that he had there at the bottom of all the rubble. Literally the weight of the Twin Tower just resting on him. And how all of that changed when he saw a glimpse of light in the midst of all that. And it gave him the courage to fight his way out. But that's not even the best part of the story. Never forget it. He was sharing the story of how he thought he was going to die. He was moments from death, and yet he saw the glimpse of sunlight piercing through. He said, man, I started fighting like as hard as I could to get myself loose and to get unstuck from those concrete walls that, that was pinning him in. He said, I knew if I could get to that light, that I could live and not die. Knew if I can get to that light that I could see my kids again. If I can get to that light that I survive. And he said he broke himself loose and he was climbing and crawling and trying to make his way to that light when all of a sudden he said it was so quiet, so dark. He said, all of a sudden, I heard someone screaming for help. He said, and I couldn't get to him, but I could hear him. And he said, by this time, I had enough room where I was able to grab the flashlight from the back of my belt. He said, I grabbed my flashlight and I turned it on. He said, I couldn't get to him, but I could hear him. And I could see the sunlight. And he said, I turned my flashlight on. And he said, I can't get to you. But I see a light. 
And if you follow my light, I'll lead you to the light that I see. And we can get out of this mess. Jesus came. The entire message of the Christmas story is that he came as a baby in a manger to bring light to darkness. But in the book of Matthew, Jesus flips the script. And he tells all those that have encountered the light. We have a responsibility. Look at what Matthew chapter five, verse 14 says. The Christmas story is all about Jesus coming to bring light to darkness. But Matthew 5, 14, he says, but now you are the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. Message of Christmas is Jesus coming as a baby to bring light, but the message of Jesus is all about you and I being the light of the world because the Spirit of God dwells in us because we've experienced the light, the expectations of Jesus for us is to go and be that light. There's this phrase that we often say to London when we drop her off at school. We'll say, shine bright, baby girl, shine bright. And I just wonder if we as a church this holiday season could just shine bright. Could we just be the light of the world this week? Can we be known as that church that's like a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden? Like instead of gossiping, let's just shine. Instead of hating, let's just shine. Instead of canceling, let's just shine the light of Christ. How different would Christmas season be this year if we just shined? Like many of us are going into uh, visit family where relationships are strained. There's brokenness, there's bitterness, there's disappointment. Just imagine how different it would be if we showed up and just shine the light of Jesus. Like, Josh, it sounds so easy. It sounds so easy. Is it really that easy? To answer that, I want to go back to the first words that God spoke. We're talking about first words today, and I want to go back to Genesis 1 and verse 3. You remember what he said. He saw darkness on the earth, and the first words out of his mouth was, let there be light. And the key, the key word, the key word in that phrase is let. Let there, let there be light. I looked up the word let yesterday. I felt dumb looking it up. I'm like, who needs to look up the word let? But I did. 
This is what the word let means. To permit to enter. To permit to enter, man. Some of you, some of you are experiencing darkness. All you've got to do is permit the light of the world to enter. Let's just not read the Christmas story this year. Let's experience the significance of the Christmas story that Jesus came to be the light of the world. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we love you. We thank you for your son, the light of the world. God, we open up our hearts this morning and invite you in. We invite you in to bring light in those dark areas. Lord, we know that we can't do it on our own and our trust is in you. We invite you in. We put our hope in you. There are some of you here this morning with every head bowed, no one looking around. There are some that have never experienced that light or you've drifted so far away that you can't even see the light anymore. And I don't wanna pass this moment without giving you an opportunity to accept the light of the world into your heart, into your life, into your darkness. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's Lord, that he'll come in and he'll take the weight of your sin off your shoulders. He'll forgive you. He'll give you a fresh start and he'll bring light into your darkness. And so no one looking around, every eye closed, this is your chance. Say, Josh, I wanna take advantage of this moment, take advantage of this Christmas season to do it God's way. And I wanna invite Christ in my heart. I need a fresh start. I need to do things a little different this year. If that's you, no one looking around, when I count to three, if you just raise your hand, say, I need God in my life. You just raising your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not gonna ask you to come up front. I'm not gonna embarrass you. We're just gonna pray. So one, two, if that's you. If you wanna accept Jesus into your heart, three, raise your hand across the building. It's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's do this, church. No one prays alone. You know how it goes. Repeat after me as loud as you can. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Come and make me new. Forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just accepted Christ as their Savior.